This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wrestle me, Wrestle me, Pete! We're back! Back, mother... No, I'm not going to start swearing. Don't start like that. Terrible start. Don't start like that. It's like the fourth worst swear word, <laughs> if you say it on television. Is it? What's the... MF is pretty high. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't MF think that should like have its own. I don't think that should have its own classification. I uh, No, I agree. I agree. I think it's a compound word. I think um, the worst one is C. The is second right? worst is... I thought MF was worse than C, because I'm fairly certain... MC is worse than MF. Mother Cunta. Yes. <laughs> we also, sounds, uh, like, sounds like an, an all-lady mix, um, uh, mass-marketed um, uh, Yorkshire pudding. <laughs> it was also my nickname when I briefly wrestled on the Butlin circuit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, Mother Cunta, Mark Haynes. Mm. Respect is due, everyone. Welcome back. To Wrestle Me, yeah. uh, quite simply the greatest podcast, not just sports, not just wrestling, <laughs> podcast ever made uh, in in the world. Yes. Didn't need to add that bit. Yeah, that not was... in Saudi Arabia or also <laughs> parts of New Zealand. Guam. Guam. <laughs> we are, do you know what? I'm actually a bit nervous about this one. Oh, why? Yeah, I'm nervous about this because it's a slight change from our established format. Right. Which is... We'll bring the same... Oh, what notary and fun a, and games Brio and, yeah. and daring Brio. do <laughs> the last time the, the last John le Carre book uh, <laughs> for some reason he uses the word Brio so often and it's a word that I've never heard used in another book yeah well, Brio I, we are bringing very much John le Carre-esque Brio <laughs> to, now the, the reason for this is we are going to be doing Wrestle Kingdom 11 mm. and the, the big point for me about this is it's two things that are difficult one is it's Japanese wrestling and we We've never yeah. really tackled Japanese wrestling before. No. So I feel slightly obliged to try and provide a history, not just of the people in this event, not just the history of this event, mm. but also the history of Japanese wrestling. Oh, good. I am very anxious. Keep, <laughs> keeping it to half an hour, are we? <laughs> <laughs> I am very nervous about this because the mm. other thing that worries me is I am a huge fan of Japanese wrestling. Yeah. And one of the things I want to do is get across my passion for this yeah. without making it really boring. Yes. And okay. Uh, the problem with Japanese wrestling, uh, as far as Wrestle Me goes, yeah. is by and large, Japanese wrestling is devoid of gimmicks. <laughs> Everyone is really well behaved. Yes. Nothing bad happens apart from the sort of legitimate sports injuries that you would get doing a particularly rough sport like mm. this. So, content wise, <laughs> bit anxious. <laughs> bit anxious. Yeah, I, I would say that um, I watched a John Cena workout video. He was on <laughs> Seamus's. Uh, I do five hours on that. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, we could easily do that because Seamus's little workout little workout videos he does on YouTube. Um, I, I forget what it's called, like Viking, I don't know, island sports, a Celtic workout. Yeah, it'd be Celtic workout. Yeah, it'll be, like that. it will be that straightforward. <laughs> um, and. Yeah, John, uh, John Cena come, turns up and he basically explains his whole working out process and does the whole thing. He does 45 minutes of stretching, Mark. Have, uh, he, he puts Seamus in this... <laughs> I would, uh, does he? Because there is no way of actually gauging how much stretching someone does. Right. If you okay. said I did like two hours of lifting, you'd mm. go, he does have big muscles. Yes, okay, right. Stretching. He you... does have... I watched... I, I didn't watch the whole thing, but I skipped through it and at no point did they pick up any weights. Right. He, he gets on this little machine that's got a little turny thing in the middle mm. and he just keeps on stretching John... Uh, he keeps on stretching Seamus's legs until they can stretch <laughs> so no more. And Seamus erotic. is going, oh, it, oh, it hurts. That's, that's the worst it's ever been. Let's rub that that's down the... <laughs> for you. <laughs> <laughs> He's... Uh, John Cena, I didn't realise, is uh, loves a shit post. Does he? On Instagram, it's all shitposting. Is it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't it, think he had that kind of charisma in him. It is much better than his fucking Twitter, <laughs> which is just all about, you know, these fucking, I mean, it's the equivalent of live, laugh, love. Right. But through an okay. American prism of self-improvement. Right, okay. And it's, oh, the, the, the final step of the journey might just be the next one of the, yeah, whatever. You can literally <laughs> really? say anything after that. Oh, that's really interesting. I didn't realise. Oh, but it's yeah, awful. His it's Instagram is, is night and day different. Really? It's, it's almost incredible. as bad as one of the street prophets who all he does is every single day just post one tweet and it says God is good and he's been doing that for over four years oh, every so it, day there's a guy on Twitter do you know what's even worse than that what? Road Dog retweets it every day <laughs> <laughs> isn't Road Dog a, um, a non-masker he's a, he, yeah, got, he because, got into an argument with somebody about it because Road Dog he got into an argument with Hurricane Helms That's because right, yes. Road Dog is not a sheeple right <laughs> he, the best he could do in that argument where he was basically saying you know he, he, the weirdest thing is he was like I do wear a mask but I don't see why I should have to yeah I mean, strange hill to die on. <laughs> really is. <laughs> I, I do do it, but I really do think it's wrong. You yeah. know, fine. But he had a big oh, argument with Hurricane Helms, uh, or Shane Helms, who mm. used to be the, the character called the Hurricane. Mm. And, uh, yep, they, they had a big to-do, a back and forth. I think right. Road Dog ended up blocking him. Road Dog came out of it very badly. And my favourite tweet was someone underneath had just said, look out, there's a blast of fucking common sense coming through, <laughs> playing on the old Hurricane uh, slogan of there's a hurricane coming through. I thought that was really sweet. Oh. Um, look, I'm more confident with all this, this material yeah, okay. than I am right. about going back to 1951 in Japan, a... <laughs> Destroyed country after World War Two. Mm-hmm. Not many podcasts, and I don't say this with any sense of pride. Right. Not many podcasts would attempt to give you the history of a a foreign nation on the other side of the world, <laughs> like growth in, of a non real sport. Yes, but this podcast will, <laughs> right? And do you know and what? It'll Pete? do it. Not to delay WrestleMania thirty four. No, <laughs> not no. to do that. Never, never, never. To do that. It's important. It will do it, Pete, to show it can be done and give a lesson <laughs> to everyone out there. But this is a bit like one of those John Cena tweets, yeah. who doesn't believe that they can do something. I find this very difficult because I'm anxious about it. Right, but I'm going ahead, and you know what? It's going to be the best podcast we've ever done. <laughs> Have you done your podcast stretches? <laughs> Forty five minutes. Can't minutes? you tell? Oh. <sighs> okay, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> the last time it's been me complaining about how bad the New Japan website is. <laughs> oh my God, that streaming service as well. <laughs> it oh. is the worst. Oh, it's terrible. You've seen, I mean, Japanese websites, I'll go on until my dying day. Mm. Japanese websites are the worst. They're busy. They are, they have... <laughs> They're busy places. It, they like, they may as well be done on GeoCities. And I realise that the Japanese kanji and the Japanese katakana and the Japanese hiragana are difficult to whack into a Western-style website template. But... Mm. 
Why do you have to use the same font that looks like it's been printed on a dot matrix printer from 1999? It is obscenely bad. The other thing, this is like a really niche stand-up. You know the other thing about (laughs) Japanese Japanese websites, websites, right? They love to put the characters in the same colour as the background, but only with like a 1% difference. Yes. It is so difficult to see. Also, if you've ever um, if you've ever um, uh, subscribed to an online video um, uh, site or, mm. or subscription service, um, if you cancel on the, f- on the second day yeah. of the month, uh, you would expect to have another 29 days of, of that subscription because you paid the amount of money it would take for you to get to the end of that month. Yeah. You paid a monthly subscription. Not in New Japan's case. Nope. You could subscribe 29 times in a month and pay 29 different subscriptions. That is true. Incredible. Yeah, it's, it's one of those... It's, it's a How very, is that allowed? very badly designed site. <laughs> so when I went looking for uh, uh, big shows, you know, it has, it has loads of their different shows on. It doesn't mm. have Wrestle Kingdom. So you, it says click for more shows. Yeah. You click for more shows mm-hmm. and it then gives you everything from now going backwards. So I was like, oh, scroll through all of 2020. We'll get there sooner or later. I spent 15 minutes doing it and I was still only in <laughs> September 2020. Oh, because they're very good at archiving. Oh, they love the breaking they, these they things love, up, they, they? love breaking these into different sections. But how, can you, can you, how was I able to find an English version of this particular show? Yes, only by going to a small squared circle Reddit subreddit <laughs> about New Japan that happened to be talking about Wrestle Kingdom at that point. If I had never found that post, yep. I would never have been able to get involved. It, it was so <laughs> difficult to do. And it's not like you sort of... I mean, Japanese are sort of... The, Japan is famous as a, you know, electronics nation. It is, but the problem is it kind of isn't. The infrastructure is there, the best internet in the world, fastest fiber, everything. Mm. They've got the connectivity to the world, but their website's terrible. And uh, they have a real love of making everything really difficult to do in that if you go to a bank and you want to transfer some money, you need uh, a little inky stamp that instead of a signature, you have to bring the inky stamp (laughs) and you can't do anything. And you've got to fill in 50 forms to do anything and to to move some money around in your bank accounts. It is a very paper economy it's yeah. a very paper bit, uh, uh, society tell me one thing that is really easy in japan is buying wrestling tickets you can <laughs> right. buy them at branches of lawson and 7-eleven yes and you yeah, just go yeah. in and you go um a poor wrestle yeah and they kind of go huh, and they bring out everything that you need yeah and you do it and yeah you, the little uh, machines when i bought them i really thought to myself this is never gonna work that is <laughs> absolutely mad it'd be like <laughs> i I'm, bought tickets to the to some kind of museum mm, the hakabutsukan mm-hmm. what's in there it's just a museum. We went for a museum. Oh, all right. It's museum, either that or museum. Sumoyoji, I think, is toothpick. Muse- either way, it's hard. You can buy both in Lawson's. I'm just, I just want this to continue so I don't have to get to the history of Japanese wrestling. <laughs> right. Come on. Oh, let's have a go. On. So, right. Here is my story. Okay. <laughs> okay. Japanese wrestling, for me, is the wrestling <laughs> that you get into when you really love wrestling. And you love it so much that the normal wrestling you watch has got a bit dull. Right. So normally, your way in, your gateway drug to wrestling is always going to be WWE. That's mm. the thing that you see everywhere. Yeah. After a while with WWE, you begin going, this is a bit samey. Is there more? I'm reading magazines. I'm reading the internet. And they're saying, this guy's really good, but yeah. he's not in WWE. Mm. So then what you start doing is you start looking at the independents. And after a while in the independents, you start sort of seeing some of the best wrestlers in the world. You're like, they're great. They're great. But the next stage from that is you go, <laughs> it's not enough that I have recognizably Western things. I don't want to hear English commentary. Mm. I don't want to see Western people like the people I see outside my house. I want a window on the other side of the world and I want to see a pro wrestling that has grown up 
entirely in isolation. Mm. Japan's a very isolationist country. They are, a, you know, notoriously non-multicultural. Yeah. And their wrestling has formed in a way that it hasn't formed anywhere else in the world. So they call it a pororesu. And it's more, more, more commonly, you'd say, poresu. Mm. And uh, puro is also the other way yeah. of doing it. Now, poresu is the Japanese way of saying pro-wrestle. Mm. So it's a sort of weird Jap-English is it mm. Japanglish? I never quite know what, I think what the just, word is. I think it's just English spoken by Japanese speakers. In, exactly. But yeah, but Japan, yeah. yeah, yeah. When mm. I was a massive, massive tape trader in the 2001 era, and mm. I, I don't mean that on a, on a volume level. No. Let me make that clear, government. <laughs> I mean it that I was just obsessed with watching more and more and more wrestling. Yeah. I went down to Chinatown in London, and mm. only thing I knew was if I said, there were loads of those video shops there. I don't know. There was one in Finchley as well that I remember, and there used to be lots of Japanese video places that were just all walls were just tapes mm. and they didn't have cases. They just had white printed labels on them. Yeah. And they seemed to be, they catered for people from Japan who were in London and they had everything under the sun. Mm. And I went into about five of those and would say, Poresu, and everyone would look at me like I was mad. <laughs> they had no idea what the word was. Mm. So I've never, ever been able to actually sort of access that. The thing that changed everything was better broadband speed. And that was the thing where you could begin downloading stuff. Previously, you'd have seen tiny little clips and things like that. But it really sort of blossomed through tape trading. We will get to that. Let us go back instead to post-World War II era Japan. Oh. <laughs> About time we got here. <laughs> so what you have in, in, in this, uh, this, this period of Japan is, is Japan has been absolutely hammered by the war. And what they've taken is this really weird sort of blow to their national self esteem mm. the japanese were always impregnable they were always able to to bat anything back they were always proud they were always f full of fighting spirit and the, the war they had really, invaded a lot of countries they so. did they did <laughs> and the war had knocked that out of them they, mm. they were on the losing end you'd mm. had the emperor capitulate you know yeah. there was a big sort of seismic shock there one of the first things that comes along that begins to sort of if you like rebuild the japanese national psyche is pro wrestling. So in 1951, it really explodes. And it explodes mm. like a lot of wrestling does because of one particular performer. And in this case, it was Ricky Dozan. And Ricky Dozan was a Japanese huge superhero who really made his name by bringing in American wrestlers and beating them. There's always been a, a thing that runs through Japanese wrestling, even to this day, that it's built on the Japanese national hero, defeating the gaijin mm. the foreign wrestler um for uh, it, it was a big national scandal when long after his death it turned out that ricky dozan wasn't actually japanese <laughs> he was a korean uh, fighter who'd taken a japanese sounding name in order to blend in um what happens is is because th there's a uniquely sort of japanese audience for this sport it begins to develop very differently from how it does in the west so in japan they begin to put more sort of emphasis on sort of the fighter's spirit and pride and the psychology of watching this person triumph over the odds mm. than they do in America. So America has got lots of theatrics and lots of gimmicks and it's lots of larger than life. And in Japan, pro wrestling is almost internalized. It's a, a struggle to not give in. Mm. You know, the hero is the person who can just, just show fighting spirit and perseverance. And, Part of that, their storytelling comes more from these tremendous in-ring performances against all the odds than it does from sort of showbiz razzle-dazzle. So 
you've got two very, very different types of wrestling. Worth saying as well, Japanese wrestling also seems to revolve around continually landing on your head and neck. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is a big thing they do. They have gone for this sense of wrestling being more like a strange sort of metaphor for the Japanese resilient fighting spirit than America, for example, where you, you, know, you have a match t- to be the person who gets to go on a date with someone else's wife or you, yes. know, you get to eat a flag or something, you know. <laughs> they they will very much went the other way. And that's slightly why when you've had, a, you know, a lot of WWE and then you've sort of watched the indies, it's why it's the next thing that you go to because it's sort of a far more grown up. And I mm. don't mean that you can't be a grown up and enjoy WWE, but it is a much more sort of... Pure. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's psychological to some degree. Yeah. There's a lot more drama and there's a lot more sort of emotion in Japanese wrestling than there is anywhere else in the world. Mm. Um, Which is why I think it's become such a sort of popular thing for people who have grown up on wrestling to to really get into. Um, We have this traditional booking that runs through Japan throughout its history, where the hometown hero is is taking on these unbelievable odds. There are certain people that they love having in. They have the destroyer, who's a guy called Dick Bayer, who is an American. Apart from anything else, being an American wrestler in Japan in the 50s called The Destroyer. I mean, it couldn't be sort of more on no. the nose. You would you would find it hard to rent a house. Here, <laughs> yes. Although, although I believe The Destroyer, I mean, he was beloved in Japan. I believe he made his home there for about 40 years. Lovely. Um, Ricky Dozan himself, he, he established what was then the, the sort of biggest organization in Japan called Japan Pro Wrestling Alliance, mainly known as the JWA. And it, it survived his murder. So he was murdered in 1963 in a murder that you are fascinated with because <laughs> he was in a nightclub uh, being mouthy. Oh, yes. There's always been rumours about what quite happened. Stand but, with piss. But yeah, that's right. He got into an argument with, a, I think, a low-ranking Yakuza mm. who um, uh, took a knife, uh, he urinated on it, and then came back out, stabbed Ricky Dozan with it. Um, Ricky Dozan carried on partying to show off his tough man image. Mm. Um, what he didn't realise, of course, is that the urine... Uh, had gone into his system, it, you know, meant that the blade was essentially no longer sterile. I mean, are blades sterile? Do people no, take I don't, the blades out of packages? I don't. <laughs> before you shank a mother. Yeah, I don't think that, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't think that um, he probably would have fared well piss on or piss, to be quite frank. No, no. He sounded <laughs> like, um, I mean, certainly from that story, he sounded a, a little bit stupid. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, yeah. National hero. I do like it when in that New Japan video game, he floats down from heaven. He does <laughs> in one of the early enjoyable. computer games. There was a really, really good um, uh, Japanese movie made. It might have actually been a Korean movie right. made about Ricky Dozan's life. And it was available on Amazon, you know, when it first came out for about four pounds. Mm. It's got English subtitles and it tells his story. Slightly framed because it's a Korean movie yeah. at going, look at this great Korean. Yeah. You know, not Trick Japanese. Japanese. Hey, hey, hate the Japanese. Um, and <laughs> they do. It's, I think rightly from what I know about the little I know about the history of Japan and Korea. The comfort women. Exactly. The comfort to, women. For, for, for one of a million different... <sighs> it, is a, it is a good tag team name, isn't it? <laughs> it's a, do you know what? It's a bit like Joy Division, which is also, you know, a similar thing from World War II. Mm. And it's one of those words that if you said, oh yeah, we're called Joy Division, and you go, what? After the sort of... The, you, you know, you absolutely... What was the Joy bellend. Division? I don't, I don't know, I'm not familiar with Joy Division. I, I, I believe it was... And again, this is really... Really unpalatable, but mm. I think it was uh, Jewish women who were 
kept aside for the sexual pleasure of Nazis. Really? So it's wow. very much a slightly, it's slightly different from comfort women, but again, mm. an invading force, mm. you know, with this horrible mm. subjugation. One of the, it's absolutely 100% a war crime. But, but Let's think, make that clear. I think the difference, I think the um, difference between how we regard Germany in the uh, post-war um, uh, situation, obviously they were a country that said sorry mm. for the stuff they'd done. Yeah. And that's why I find a lot of our, in the way that um, nationalists in our country behave yeah. about the things that we've done over five exactly. years. Exactly, and I think I think sorry is not is not fine. But <laughs> no. but the reality is the but, reality is of course is we've moved on, and the Germans of today are entirely different from the, yes, the forebears but, before. But but, but they 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 ha- have fronted up, or, or they will literally they they will happily. Uh, talk about their history in, in the way yeah. that the British won't. And, and and I don't believe the Japanese do. No, so the, so the Japanese are still not apologising or paying any reparations for uh, the comfort women. Like yeah. there, there, there was a Shinzo Abe um, a pastiche um, kind of kneeling man in front of a woman uh, displayed in in a Korean uh, square, and obviously that 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 created more diplomatic uh, problems. And, and obviously this is all framed with the the um, the the the, 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 the problems they've got with like Russia, R- Russia. China, uh, North Korea as well, obviously a, a big aggressor in, 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 the, in the situation. So South Korea don't have many friends. And if the US pull out under Trump, yeah. it's, it's, they're in a, a very strange situation. So, you know, the, the, those kind of countries should find some common ground and, and get together. But, but they're just not because people refuse to front up to things that their forefathers have done. It's absolutely worth saying. It's not, your, it's not really your fault, is it, if, if it happened no, in, in the no, 30s? No, you can have... Yeah. No, exactly. Or, or in the 1880s. It's a weird, I, I've never understood that level of sort of nationalism. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The only thing I have it with is Jack the Ripper. I refuse to <laughs> hear anyone apologize for his actions. Um, it's, it's what it was, I say. It's what it was. It's what it was. <laughs> Different um, times. Anyway, watch my tag team, The Comfort Women. We, we are going to be having a, 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 a short match because it will be shut down by people. <laughs> and rightly. Rightly so. So we've got Ricky Dozan, who has been murdered in the nightclub, I presume mm. in Rapongi. Um, <laughs> I presume so, yeah. Not, not sure. There's a lot of Rapongi jokes in the Western Oh, of the there's a lot. You can tell that some, for some Americans, it's one of the sort of like the eighth time they've been. And they still don't realise that Rapongi is not just a sort of in joke. Yeah, go, no. It, it's... You know, it, it's like Americans if they went to Magaluf and they'd be like, um, well, maybe we've got a Magaluf. You know, and you're like, yeah, I know what that is. And yeah. it's slightly like Rapongi. They're continually repping it in a naughty way. Go down Soho, you know. Yeah, people like, have businesses there. Like, <laughs> the people go to work there. It's an office. It's an office yeah. district. Just because you've been to one bar there, well, you, you don't have to be nipple. a big baby. Did you? I didn't see no nipples oh, in Rapongi. I thought you'd holding out on me. I'm just saying I'd have been. Yeah, but <laughs> but it is the it is an attempt that has a reputation for being a bit of a meat market. So yes. Not when I was there, Pete. <laughs> no. Not when you and I were not there. When I, not when me and you were there. We didn't see any women at all. They pretty much were scarpered. <laughs> uh, although there were a lot of people who were trying to get us into places with the with the the tantalising. Uh, mm. You know, uh, uh, here are some women. Mm. I mean, you know, I, I, I've got I've got women who are friends. You know, <laughs> I can I can see them when I like. We can have a Zoom, um, not in a weird way. <laughs> not like so, that New York, uh, the New York Post guy. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. the um, the, the horrible wanky. Guy. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Also another good dressing room. Incredible multitasker. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Ricky Dozan's organisation, the JWA, it mm. survives his death. What it doesn't survive is the two sort of most prominent wrestlers, Antonio Inoki and Giant Baba, who both leave to form their own promotions. And they do this in the early 70s. So Antonio Inoki goes off and forms New Japan Pro Wrestling. Mm. Giant Baba goes off and forms All Japan Pro Wrestling. And for the 80s and through to the sort of early 90s, these are the two big, if you like, WWE and NWA promotions in Japan. So they have a different style. So Antonio Inoki goes for what what sort of becomes known as strong style. Mm. And he likes to take on lots of people from other disciplines. He takes on Muhammad Ali in a disastrous and long mixed martial art mm. match, which he is very keen to tell you he invented MMA. <laughs> it's not, not quite yeah, true. Yeah, a lot of people write that. And I sort of watch that and I sort of go, it's, I mean, they've not really, no, they've not really got anywhere close to what no. we watch now. <laughs> no. And he also took on people like sort of, you know, um, um, Olympic judokas and things mm. like that. Again, he liked to take on not just stars from legitimate sports, yeah. but it was even better if they were gaijin. Mm. You know, you were taking on this, you know, Olympian, he'd won a, a you know, a bronze medal usually. They never quite got the gold medalists. <laughs> They'd take on a, you know, a bronze medalist and Inoki, your Japanese hero, even though it was a predetermined match yeah. in the, most, most circumstances, um, he would then defeat them. And that, of course, again, national pride. The Japanese yeah. can do it better than anyone. If Inoki had bothered to go to the Olympics, why? He would have won gold. Yeah. Over in all Japan, what Baba does is he, he really keeps on just pushing that thing of going, here are some foreign monsters and I, they will eventually get to me 
and I will defeat them. Baba always had a slight problem in that he was very, very tall for a Japanese performer. He was very, very big, and he was appallingly bad. He is... (laughs) He looks worse than Andre because he sort of he had a very sort of funny uh, build, mm. and it looked like a very very big corpse with like leather stretched <laughs> over the over the limbs. Yeah. Odd sort of look, mm. but he was incredibly charismatic, and for many many years he did very well in that role. He was also beloved as as a boss and a promoter. One of the things he did, of course, was he paid a lot more than. Uh, Americans did so American wrestlers loved working in Japan yeah and they loved that because they were given a totally different experience than they got at home in Japan they were met at the airport they would be taken to a really good hotel they would often be flown over first class they would then be taken on a bus they would go around you know Japan to mm. do shows Japan much smaller than continental America yes so in continental America you're like you'll have to drive all through the night mm. if you want to get there uh, in Japan, they liked it. They liked the sort of you wrestle every night, but but you could have a morning off before they stuck you in the coach, which was a nice coach. And then they <laughs> checked this. They treated you very well. It took a certain type of person to get over as a monster in Japan um, because the matches were based in this sense of fighting spirit. You had to be pretty good at wrestling. So you had people like um, Billy Robinson and Carl Gotch, who were shooters. Um, very influential in in the formation, not just actually of of wrestling in Japan, but also mixed martial arts. Um, They brought over these sort of British submission style, which became a big thing in Japan. You'd have monsters like Andre. You'd have tough guys like Stan Hansen, um, Dr. Death Steve Williams. You'd have wild men like Bruiser Brody. And what really you can see, the people who are really, really successful, they use the same gimmick as they did in America. But they loved Japan. They loved the Japanese people and they loved performing for the Japanese crowds. Mm. Some of them just clicked. Some of them, you know, I think came and they were just like, I don't get the culture. I don't like it here. I can't get, you know, the things that I like and understand. Everyone's eating rice, you know. (laughs) Uh, The Funks, another sort of great example, neither monsters, but good wrestlers. Mm. And just they, anyone that you like, Pete, basically gets over in Japan <laughs> because it's all it's all about psychology and mm. it's all about working hard and work rate and it's all about understanding a crowd and being able to adapt to the crowd in the moment so basically anyone that you like is good in Japan when you see some <laughs> old footage of them. In the 80s, Japanese wrestling was huge business. It was really, really big. From the 50s to the 80s, it was pretty much on a par with any sport in Japan. It was up there with baseball and sumo. It was absolutely mad. So the big stars were making it bigger. You'd get your Andres Hulk Hogan, you know, had some good runs in Japan. Um, and they bring in, in New Japan, um, their, their first sort of big title belt, which is the uh, uh, International Wrestling Grand Prix title. This appears in about 87. Previously, they'd had a tournament called the IWGP tournament. People like Hogan had won, and they decided in 87, let's make it a physical belt. And that is the belt that we see being defended at Wrestle Kingdom 11. So it goes back quite a long way. Um, In the 90s, things change in Japan. There's a big um, economic downturn, um, and that means that foreign stars are harder to afford. It also um, coincides with the WWE and WCW beginning to put people under contracts, it's very difficult now. There's not as many independent wrestlers. You can't just drop them in. Yeah. So the Japanese begin looking inward and they start saying, well, we're going to get rid of this gaijin versus Japanese hero. And what we need to do now is we need to have Japanese people taking on each other. So that's always been part of the cards, but it's never really been the main event, and the main mm. focus. They do this with a couple of people, um, uh, different groups. The first uh, in New Japan 
are the Three Musketeers. And they rebuild them with uh, New Japan in the early 90s with the three guys who are Keiji Muto, best known as the Great Muta, um, Masahiro Chono, and Shinya Hashimoto. Three young guys, Japanese, and they build them to be the main event stars. In all Japan, you have the quartet who are known sometimes as the Four Pillars or the Four Heavenly Kings, which is <laughs> lovely, much better. Um, they are Mitsuharu Misawa, uh, Toshiaki Kawada, um, you've got Kenta Kabashi and Akira Tao. And these seven men start putting on matches of a quality that's never been seen before anywhere. They are the main event, and people look forward to their matches so much, and each match over-delivers from the last one. They continually just stacking up and stacking up and stacking up. What happens then is MMA comes in, and that becomes huge in Japan, mm. and that further damages pro wrestling. So it's in another precarious position, sort of certainly from the late 90s to about 2005, really. A lot of wrestlers begin doing MMA. Antonio Inoki especially is very much like, you, 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 you know, A, you're the best in the world, wrestlers like me. <laughs> yeah, I, oh, I'd do it if I was younger, but I can't. I can't. Hands are tied. So he would, he would encourage people to do it. And the problem is a lot of the wrestlers did very badly. People were knocked out, you know, almost instantly. Yeah. And it destroyed the confidence of the wrestling audience that these people were the best in the world. They should really have kept them either away from MMA mm. or just made sure they were really good. <laughs> that, was the, that was the big issue. It's amazing how many people end up doing MMA from Japan, like Jushin Liger. Had a, right. a brief thing. I mean, Shinsuke Nakamura, he did it. I mean, he was actually surprisingly good. Right. He had a sort of very famous knockout where he ran into a knee, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> he, he didn't really get knocked out. He knocked himself out. And it was right. heartbreaking. Some people did do quite well. I mean, I mean, I, I, again, I'm not going to run through it. It, it, this is this is a podcast that I imagine most people are like, why am I hearing so much <laughs> about wartime sex slaves? Um, isolation just basically meant as well, not only have they got their own unique form of pro wrestling, but they are not interested in taking it to the rest of the world. Mm. Japanese companies, by and large, especially entertainment, it does not translate. Yeah. There's a language barrier. There's a cultural barrier. You don't get massive Japanese pop songs here. You know, you don't get any, I mean, I suppose Japanese formats, you could say, but even then they tend to be like, you know, Banzai based on, mm. you know, our, our stereotypical view of what Japanese culture is. Yeah. Um, there's very little that goes through. And oddly, even their sports, nobody, does, I mean, does anyone follow Japanese football? I follow it a, a bit, but. Of I course mean, you do. Of course I do. Weebo I mean, Donaldson. But, <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, no, it's it's historically been where, um, obviously, you know, Gary Lineker played there and, uh, you know, a couple of stars from Barcelona and stuff kind of retired there effectively or mm. ended their career out in Corbe and stuff, playing for Vissel Corbe and stuff. But yeah, it it's, um, yeah, it, it, it's not great quality I, football. I it's mainly chat. jobbing Brazilians. I had a chat with Gary Lineker about living in Japan. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. we, had, we had a brief chat. He, I, and I was like, you know, did you really enjoy it? And he was like, it was, yeah, I loved it. He said, I love the place. He he basically couldn't. I mean, just like anyone, you get an apartment in in Japan. Mm. Even as a footballer, it's not very big. No, he was like it was just a small place. It was like being in a big hotel room. <laughs> yeah. That was his house. Yeah, really odd thing. In Nagoya as well. It's yeah. not. An, it's like it's like the Birmingham. Of, Birmingham was nice. Um, the Coventry. Gotcha. Of talk, of near Tokyo. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny to imagine. I mean, I'd love to see someone do a drama, just a, a, like a 90-minute thing about Gary Lineker Gary being, in living, in, living in Nagoya in a tiny <laughs> little thing. You must always thought, oh, he's over in Japan, making yeah, millions. making millions. But he was making millions. But mm. I mean, why spend that? I mean, even the most expensive, I think uh, a mate who I do um, uh, abroad in Japan with, he uh, this week visited uh, a 20 
$1,000 a month apartment mm. in um, Harajuku, where we've both been. Yeah. You know, right in the center of Tokyo. It's where all of like the old, like maybe about 15 years ago, all the Hello Kitty kind of like Harajuku girl kind of... Um, uh, Gwen uh, Stefani. Gwen Stefani's um, girls. She had that cultural appropriation nonsense. I mean, it's not really culture, so it's not. I don't find that problematic because it's just toss. It's just toss. It's saccharin... Uh, US appropriate. Do you know toss. who you sound like, Pete? <laughs> you sound like my dad talking about goths. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're just, they're just they're appropriate in the Victorians. Um, <laughs> they're less. Um, but yeah, uh, he was in this house, and uh, £20,000 a month. It wasn't that nice a house. No. Had a bigger footprint than you'd expect. Had a little shower for the dog right. after it's been dirty in the Yoyogi Park. But yeah, it wasn't that nice. <laughs> Imagine how Andre found it. I know, yeah. I, I do sometimes he think be, about he that. He would be able to afford that. No, I mean, just Andre stuck. I mean, there is nothing that would be big enough. Yeah. Like we, here, here, you go into houses and you don't go, oh, this is made for someone who is, <laughs> who is exactly six foot. Yeah. And if you're 6'1", it becomes a problem. Yeah. Over there, they are made for people who are 5'4". Oh yeah, yeah, huge. If you most hotel rooms have uh, an integrated um, shower, mm. bath, sink combo thing where it's just all molded plastic, all um, uh, uh, impression molded, all in- injected injection molded, all in one uh, three or four parts. Yep, and they're just installed in an hour. Yeah, these, these folding things. screen Incredible. doors yeah, that go round your knees in, when you're sitting incredibly, down. Incredibly, they, they, they use their space very well, but it's like an airplane toilet. It is. And, it's, and it's and like I cannot being imagine a, how, how under the giant. If we, you go on a private boat, yeah, that sort of thing, yeah, and you're, and you're in that, you know, and, yeah. and the boat cost what, 13 grand, <laughs> and you're down in that bit on the bottom and just going, oh God, I'm actually having sick. Slightly getting panicky here. <laughs> <laughs> we, we went to the, um, uh, the Ribera Steakhouse, obviously, mm. um, sort of south of, south of Shibuya. And, uh, we we saw the toilet that presumably all of the wrestlers urinated in because yes. they they've all been there at some point. There's pictures all over the wall. The famous uh, um, steakhouse uh, restaurant uh, jacket that they give that they give to people. Yeah, it, it, all of these gigantic wrestlers will at some point have used that toilet. I and know it is tiny. Would I smash it out and <laughs> steal it? I would. I would. Yeah, I Lord would. So many poops. Wouldn't, that's the funny thing that people never do is they never sort of go. You know, everyone's just got an ordinary toilet, haven't they? Yeah. Why what? does no one have like a proper celebrity toilet? What do you, you mean? Know, I had it installed in. The, the, what, it was used by somebody else? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you do that with everything. Everyone's like, oh, you used to belong to a celebrity. <laughs> See that? Taylor Swift's toilet. Didn't somebody steal a gold toilet recently? I said somebody yeah. put in, yeah. I vaguely, well, that's gold. Yeah. They, they don't understand the true value, which is <laughs> <laughs> that it was once owned turns. by a celebrity. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> really what what begins happening is is the uh the appeal of Japanese wrestling is really sort of pushed by tape trading. Right. And people are beginning to talk about like Japanese wrestling, certainly in the magazines and the wrestling observer, as the best in the world. And tape trading is the thing that makes it happen. And tape trading I, I still am so in love with mm. because I used to love the whole thing about you'd get a tape through the mail and it, it would be you know, people always have bad writing. Was, yeah. No, none at all. Yeah. It wasn't like people made boxes or anything. Mm. And you wouldn't know until you put it in what the quality was yeah. like. Sometimes you'd be like, oh my God, that is that is Incredible, absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Quite often it was a bit like, you know, I'm looking through a, a dirt-encrusted window and, <laughs> and the, the sound would all be off and everything. But what you really got with that is you'd be watching this and it would just be obviously Japanese commentary mm. and you'd be seeing people trying to pick out the names quite often. Yes. Trying to work out who they were. But you'd be mm. seeing matches like you'd never, ever seen before. And there were certain sort of iconic sort of tapes really that came out. First of all, I mean, people were very interested in like the matches of Keiji Muta. Right. Uh, because he, Keiji Muto, because he was Muta. 
in NWA. So people had heard of him. Right. He had face paint and stuff like that. We've, I think we've seen him on some early pay yeah. Um And people were really into sort of like going, oh, Muta is, is the biggest, you know, uh, uh, performer in Japan at the minute in the New Japan IWGP champions. So people were trying to get those matches and you'd watch their big main events and things like that. Um, the key tape really was the uh, best, uh, not the best of the Super Juniors, it was the Super J Cup which was a uh, one-night tournament in 1994 that was organized by Jushin Liger. And that really is, I, I would say, the most tape-traded tape of all time. Right. It was um, a tournament that was won by a guy called Wild Pegasus, better known as Chris Benoit, and oh. it featured the best light heavyweights in the world at a time when nobody in the West had seen anything like that. Um, you also had on the, on the, uh, the sort of roster there, along with Liger and uh, Benoit, you had Black Tiger, who was Eddie Guerrero. You had the great Sasuke, who was a, a huge 90s sort of high flyer. Hayabusa, again, a guy from FNW, which was a sort of indie, who was really sort of like an absolutely genre-defining high flyer. Um, and you also had Dean Malenko. Um, all of those people would go on to huge things. But that one-night tournament, uh, uh, the Wrestling Observer's Dave Meltzer really said, I think this is the greatest show in the history of wrestling. Um, that was a record that stood for a long time. Uh, <laughs> I think the thing that really you could say is the best night of single show that ever took place is Wrestle Kingdom 11, mm. which we will be talking about. Mm. Um, over the years, you know, Japan is still a very niche thing, but I think more people began getting interested in it. Two reasons, really. The accessibility of their matches uh, on things like YouTube, on Daily Motion, and on streaming sites. Uh, and also the, the sort of buzz that was going for this long series that had gone through uh, about three years uh, with two stars, Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kazuchika Okada. And by the time we get to Wrestle Kingdom 11, they are both in the sort of main event slots. Um, they are, uh, Tanahashi is the man who really, when J- New Japan was really on its knees in the late 90s uh, and facing bankruptcy, he was the guy they made the star. And on the back of him, the entire industry just kept rising and rising and rising. And he really is the man you could say, well, he certainly coincided with the reversal of fortune where the company looked like it was in its last legs and from where it is today, where it's the number two wrestling company in the world. Um, it all really comes down to him. The series of matches he had with, with Okada, they were huge main events and people were really like, these are the best wrestling you'll ever see at State of the Art. Mm. And people began, therefore, being more interested in getting access to New Japan. People began turning up at things like Wrestle Kingdom. You know, there'd be groups of foreign fans. And New Japan began to notice there was a surprising number of foreigners turning up to their big shows. Yeah. As a company that has no interest in the outside world, it was the first time, really, as that began to grow, grow that, that they began to go, maybe, maybe there's interest from across the sea. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that might website. be an interesting... <laughs> yeah. Um, look, you know, I, I am going to say uh, that was boring. It was boring for all of I us. I don't think it was boring. It was very I, interesting. I, I think it's quite boring. Normally, we are talking about people like getting their dicks caught in, <laughs> like, turnbuckles and yeah. stuff. But, I mean... Uh, Japanese wrestling for me is so exciting because certainly when I started getting into it, nobody ever talked. You didn't really know about it. Mm. It was an unknowable, strange, other side of the world thing. When those tapes would arrive, it would be a bit like someone sending you a snuff tape. Mm. You didn't know what was going to be on it. I'm not saying if you order snuff tapes, you're a bit like, another one that's not got (laughs) something proper on. What a swizz. This is a Smurfs. But there was something a bit weird about it. You were an underground network of people who were disseminating this stuff you know, that, that was taking place, uh, you know, as far away as you could possibly imagine. Mm. And, and, and also, there were people that you kind of knew also having these incredible stellar careers mm. in this bizarre world place that you have never travelled to. And it, it, how 
How are, how is that guy who wasn't a big star who, who who went on to not be a big star over here was this gigantic ticket seller? Yeah, uh, needle needle pusher over there. You know, there would occasionally be photos in the wrestling magazines that harked back to sort of the seventies, and they just sort of do a I don't know it would be some weird sort of like Hulk Hogan's toughest opponents sort of thing in nineteen ninety one, and in there they'd be like, here's Hogan tangling with Dusty Rhodes. And you'd be like, what the fuck? <laughs> Hogan, ho, ha, ha, hang on, Hulk Hogan and Dusty Rose go to Japan. And there was this sense that what was happening in Japan, it was never made meant for your eyes. Yeah. But the best stuff had happened over there. Mm. Here's Andre the Giant and Abdullah. No. <laughs> Get to fuck. <laughs> and that was a continual thing. There'd be, you know, Antonio Inoki celebrating his victory over Hulk Hogan. <laughs> what is this guy and then of course things like you know oh the greatest match you've ever seen is tiger mask versus dynamite kid yeah dynamite kid off the off the bulldogs yeah the little one what's he done <laughs> you know and then there'd be a guy there who's got tiger's head on yeah you know all of it just seemed it seemed not only sort of strange and unknowable and there was no way to find out what it was it was also it was better they were telling you all the time it was better. Mm. It's like wrestling that you have, but better. <laughs> it's got the people that you like facing the people you like. <laughs> what? You know Hogan's over here fighting Sergeant Slaughter? Yeah. <laughs> here he is, teaming with Andre. <laughs> against Harley Race and Dusty Rose. Oh, no. Oh. Is Harley Race wearing a weird Al Murray maroon jacket? I'm not interested in. Don't want to watch it. It's worth saying, I don't think that match ever did happen. I, 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 I panicked on the spot. <laughs> And my brain hurts so much trying to tell the story of 80 years worth of Japanese culture. Yeah. Feel Listen, hot. Look, look, five minutes in. We've so got the we war only out done the five minutes. We've got out the way. It's fine. It's absolutely <laughs> fine. So what we have here after all of that mad preamble yeah. is we have Wrestle Kingdom. Now, this is New Japan's version mm. of WrestleMania. Tradition of a big... Uh, Japanese show on the 4th of January. That goes back all the way to 1992, yeah. unbroken now. And it was only in 2007 that they began calling it Wrestle Kingdom. Um, this was, uh, I think, the first Wrestle Kingdom, Wrestle Kingdom 1, was Japan's first, um, or New Japan's mm. first pay-per-view. Um, 2007. That, that They take to all of the things that we sort of do... I, I say we, America does. But that seems really, really late. And up till then, all of their really, you know, they, their big shows and things, they would be cut up and put out on TV. Mm. Um, they had been in primetime most of their existence in the 90s. They did go late night as the popularity waned. But um, they would just be chopping them up and giving them away free. Mm. They always had the, the sense that Japanese people didn't know what pay-per-view was and they certainly wouldn't ever pay. So a lot of Japan, the revenue always came from the live shows. Right. The TV was just a sort of another, another sideline. Yeah. Um, so it's only with Wrestle Kingdom that they begin going, okay, well, we'll have a go at this. This one is the first one that they've made available streaming. Ah. And this is really, really important because for the first time, like... Like, you know, those explorers in the 19th century who managed to find the corridor into Japan and then they, they, they have someone who they've met in their travels who allows mm. them to get to a certain part of the forbidden zone. <laughs> it was slightly the first time that, as a Westerner, you could just go, I'm going to watch this live. And you could see it. And for the first time, they were like, are they watching it? <laughs> you know, I, I didn't think they'd have any interest in it. And so it begins, this is the event, really, the first one that's put in front of an international audience mm. and this event is i mean could there be a single better opening to go what do you think of this 
<laughs> no. They fucking no, couldn't. They, they couldn't fucking couldn't. Way! We've managed to do a show and not actually talk about a single match. That's good. We had a lot of history Boof. to get out. <laughs> you got a lot of history to get out. Ichiban! Nari- <laughs> <laughs> Ganbate! <laughs> Nanimas! Oh, we do occasionally get emails about Nanimas, don't we? Just um, some very interesting yeah, ones, very yeah. Interesting yeah, ones. I meant to print them out to do in this show and I totally forgot, so I'll, <laughs> good I'll, 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 simply, I'll simply put them up on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll be back uh, next week on the main feed. Uh, if you fancy uh, hearing what we have to say about actually uh, Wrestle Kingdom, uh, do head on over to patreon.com forward slash WrestleMe. And remember, you know, look, there's always WrestleMania 7 if you yes. prefer the other WrestleMe where we're all like, oh, willy willy bum bum. <laughs> <laughs> so you can go and listen to that. I, I think, you know, what's, what's nice for us, Pete, mm. is like, you know, when there are some kind of good international podcast awards, yeah. it's going to be nice to hear that episode again. Exactly, exactly. Because <laughs> we are important. <laughs> we are important. It wasn't fun, but it was <laughs> important. WrestleMania! WrestleMania, Pete! This was a Stakhanov production and part of the ACAST Creative Network. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.